They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. My name is Shane Pruitt. I'm the National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. And with me as always is my brother from another mother, but the same heavenly father. <laughs> pretty lame, isn't it, Paul? Paul Wooster, a national collegiate director. Man, I just started off corny. Cheesy, just went for it. But Paul, what's up, man? Hey, dude, I can hang with corny any day. I am excited about our guest today. And he comes from, he's done ministry in several, actually hipster um, I would refer to them as hipster college towns. And you, is even there, is in there anything Arkansas. hipster in the state of Arkansas? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. I was like, Ryan Scantling's in the house, who is a, a Baptist collegiate missionary at the University of Arkansas, been doing college ministry for over 10 years, and God has really used uh, him in such incredible ways. Uh, he's a friend of Paul and I's and a friend of the podcast. And uh, Paul, anything else you want to say about Ryan, man? Because he is so humble, but the Lord's really used him over the years, hadn't he? Yeah. I mean, he has his hands in all sorts of things. He leads some of the most successful college ministries in the nation. He grew ministry at, at Conway, Arkansas, just to be one of the most significant collegiate ministries across the nation. But then he also, he speaks at camps. He has a podcast called Lead Defend that helps students kind of navigate um, faith and those hard questions. And so he's got a lot of things going. He's working on his PhD soon, right? Is that right, Ryan? And yeah. So he, you know, I don't tell a lot of people that because if, I, if I'm not smart enough and I have to drop out of the program, I don't want folks to know I even started. But <laughs> well, hey, now, I, it's, I now it's out. It. Now, we got yeah. some accountability for you, bro, right here. Yeah, so this, yeah, this is the right. first year. Well, awesome. Hey, well, Ryan, welcome to the Next Gen on Mission podcast, my friend. We're excited that you're here. Hey, thankful to be here. Uh, man, love you guys. Love the podcast. Um, love listening pretty regular. And uh, it, it's inspiring to me. So if this is your first time listening, go back, listen to the rest, and you'll, you'll get a kick. Well, that's awesome, Ryan. Thanks, man. Hey, one quick question. You're in Arkansas. Have you ever heard of Smack Over Arkansas? Oh, dude, yeah. I've been Smack Over <laughs> a lot of times. So. Yeah, man. I actually preached a crusade in Smack Over Arkansas years ago at the high school football stadium there. So. That's right, dude. We, we, we've got a lot of fun towns. Um, Cave City, uh, home of famous watermelons. We've got a town called Strawberry, Arkansas. Uh, Come on. Favorite, so good stuff, man. I love it, man. I love it. Well, welcome, man. We're glad you're here, brother. Yeah, yeah man. Absolutely. Hey, tell us, man, before we get too spiritual, tell us one fun fact that we need to know about Ryan that we may not already know. Yeah, so I'm actually an avid Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Uh-huh. Um, I've never been in Pittsburgh uh, other than to go to games, but man, I love the Steelers. My dad grew up in Dallas, actually, uh, in the 70s when the Cowboys and Steelers had it out for each other, and he was a soccer player, and every Sunday, his friends would leave, ditch him, and they would go in and watch the game, and he said, what do y'all keep ditching me for? And they said, we got to watch the Cowboys, so he instantly became a fan of whatever team was playing the Cowboys, and that tended to be the Steelers (laughs) back then, so... It's, I love it's it, dude. Generations. 
Come on, right. Hey, man, I totally vibe in with that. Um, man, I grew up in Texas. I live in Dallas now. Uh, yep, so yep. that's the same, man. So every Sunday I root for two teams, the Miami Dolphins and whoever's playing the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So I'm with it. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> hey, all my in. friends and all my family are Cowboy fans. Yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, count me in on the um, Cowboy hate club because uh, I'm a 49er fan being from Northern California. So here we go. That's awesome, man. <laughs> hey, I jump on the bandwagon yes okay so let's jump into the more serious questions here so the question we always ask is what do we need to know about generation z man i think that's a good question um i think the biggest the overarching thing is they're open uh, i think older generations tend to think oh this generation's so closed off to anything we would have to say one thing that's interesting uh, in any college marketing material, they have the student to faculty ratio. Have you ever noticed that? Like no. they have one to 17 student faculty ratio mm. or faculty student ratio. And that's because universities still know that younger students long to be poured into by the next generation. They want to mentor in their field more than anything. Uh, so this generation is as open or perhaps more open than any others to conversations about life, but also about faith. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's great, Ryan. I love that, man. I see that as as well. It's interesting too. You almost feel like Gen Z are more like their grandparents on some level than even their parents or uh, older siblings. And so, man, I, I think I see that as well. They long for that mentorship, that discipleship, man. That's yeah. Great. They're probably less attached to labels than generations yep. previous. Yeah. But in that creates an openness also that they're really open to dialogue about anything. Um, and I think previous generations, even me sometimes, I, we're scared of all the openness of dialogue. But it's a good thing when you're talking about evangelism. Wow. Yeah, I agree. Hey, and speaking of evangelism, Ryan, like one thing that Paul and I respect about you so much is your your heart, man, your zeal, your passion for knowing Jesus and also wanting to make Jesus known to a generation that you do have a heart of, of reaching people with the gospel. And so, man, tell us where that passion, that fire came from, uh, a little bit of your story, your testimony. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So I, I grew up in a, a non-Christian household, by and large. We had some Christian influence, but uh, we didn't go to church, weren't church attenders. Um, and my parents got divorced at a young age. And I can remember I was 14, and there was an, an old lady. She was 81 years old, and she came and knocked on our front door, and she shared the gospel with my mom. And she, the first question she asked was, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And my mom lied and said, yeah, I go to First Baptist <laughs> down the street because First Baptist in every town, like if you're going to get off, that, that would be the place you would get away with it. That's a good one. That lady was from First Baptist down the street. And so she knew like this girl doesn't go to church. And so she <laughs> shared the gospel. She shared the old faith illustration. F is for forgiveness. A is available. I am possible. Um, and and at the end, she asked my mom if she'd like to make the decision to trust Jesus. And she said, no, I don't think so. But I was on the exact other side of the front door as they were having this conversation on the front stoop, and I heard every word. And so I just knew there was something about this that I had to get in my life. And so the very next church event at that church, I was there. And it actually happened to be a power team event. These big, strong guys running through <laughs> yes. the ice, ripping up phone books. And uh, they gave an invitation at the end. And I gave my heart to the Lord. I trusted him for the first time as the savior of my life. And uh, um, from there, in the next years, my whole family came to faith. Mm -hmm. um, so from that moment, 14 years on, I've just been passionate about other people knowing Jesus. And 
it was modeled to me. So in the next year, I joined that 81-year-old ladies evangelism team, and I went door-to-door with her in my small town that I grew up in. So, um, yeah, so it's just been a part of my life. The only thing that I knew Christians did when I became a Christian was that they went door-to-door and shared the gospel. (laughs) So that was kind of the bar that was set, and I just never let anybody unset that bar. So. Wow, that's that's incredible. And I also noticed that you've been training for the power team as well. You know, you've been <laughs> not, not, quite, not quite. This was supposed to be my peak year, but uh, that's not happened. Like I proclaimed it. Like this is going to be my height. That way, nobody can fault me for going downhill from here. But it's, yeah, uh, so yeah, we we all we all had really good in, we all had really good intentions for the pandemic, but uh, some some of some of it panned out different. It's not been there. love it man dude I love your story and that is that's powerful man just to think about you never know what a witness that lady probably walked away thinking man nothing happened in that moment Mm. and then knowing that you were sitting behind the door there that's that's such an encouragement for us to continue going broadly with the gospel and man I see that joy that zeal all over you and I've been able to come visit um, Conway when you were there and speak to your students and just see how you interacted with students. And you had such a natural and loving way that you kind of interacted with them. So I could tell that you just enjoy it. You, you eat up college ministry. You love college ministry. And seeing your gifts and how God's used you, you could be a pastor of a really large church and, or whatever you really wanted to do in the ministry world. But you've chosen to stay focused in college ministry. So can you share a little bit more about like a little bit why you're just zoned in in the college ministry space. Sure. I think, one, my life was so greatly impacted in college. So I came straight from college out of high school. And uh, in that summer between high school graduation and freshman year of college, my sister, who was 15 years old at the time, passed away pretty suddenly and tragically. And uh, the, f- the first person that kind of intercepted me in that was a college pastor. Uh, when I stepped foot on campus, it was a BCM campus minister, Daryl Ray, who invested in me, a church that gave me opportunities to continue doing ministry. And that college season was so formative for me um, because of that and other things. College is just a formative time that when I left, I realized if I can invest here the best years of my life, I want to do it. Now, I don't know how long those best years of my life will last. I may be here till I'm 80 or uh, God may call me to do something different in 10 years. But, uh, but I wanted to give my first and best to college ministry, whatever that was. So mm, that is so strategic. And and I love that your your open-handedness about however the Lord will lead you, but seeing that strategic slice of, of the of the campus, reaching the campus and reaching the world for Christ, man. I love that. So one thing I remember that you did is investing in the next generation of ministry leaders at Conway. Mm-hmm. I actually spoke to your group, did a little QA session. You got this little group of people that sensed a potential call to vocational ministry. I don't remember what you called it, but you fed them free pizza and got them together right before your weekly meeting. And then you brought in different leaders to kind of share with them. Can you share a little bit about why you started that group and what your goals were with that? Sure. Uh, Yeah, I I read the stats just like you guys that uh, apparently there's this great lack of folks answering God's call to ministry missions. There's churches that are saying we need somebody and there aren't people answering the call. And so it was a couple years into doing collegiate ministry that I just noticed gosh, this is the place where God is sending workers, not only to the nations, but also 
to the rural county churches and the metro areas. And so uh, I just started regularly as a part of our uh, weekly teaching time, weekly service, saying, hey, if you're exploring a call to ministry, uh, I want to know. And, and the crazy thing was, when I started asking that question, a lot of people started answering it. Say, hey, I, I may be exploring a call to ministry. And it became dozens and dozens of people. And I, I started meeting up with them one-on-one -on -one and just trying to mentor. And, and I quickly realized the biggest thing that they need is not they, they wanted my voice in their life, but they also wanted to know that they had a group of peers that was processing through the same call uh, and journeying through it together. So what we started doing was just creating spaces where those group of peers could get together and explore their call, ask questions together, learn from one another, um, process through those things. And, uh, and man, it's been great. In Conway, it was a great time. We're doing the same thing up here at the University of Arkansas. We've had a couple of Explorer Call meetings, do it once a month. And, uh, it's around lunch up here, whereas there we did it over dinner, and, and it's been a great time. There are more students processing and answering God's call to missions and ministries than we would ever anticipate. Sometimes they just haven't been called out, and so that would be my challenge to student ministers and uh, collegiate workers. Hey, call out the call and give them opportunities. As regularly as you invite people to trust Jesus, like invite people to respond to the call to ministry in their lives. It's a regular part of even how we do invitations. So. Yeah, I love that, Ryan. And, uh, you know, one thing Paul and I are so passionate about is what you just said, that calling out the called and equipping leaders to do that. Uh, one thing that Paul and I have both found, even at events that we're speaking at, you know, because we'll make that a regular part of our invitations of, yeah, hey, call, you know, what we do is calling out those uh, who need to know Jesus. And then the second part is calling out those who need to go tell the world about Jesus and give their life away to serve in mm -hmm. ministries and local churches and the mission field. And so there is that calling out the call. But what I found is sometimes, uh, whether it's college pastors or youth pastors, sometimes they'll come up to me and go, hey, Shane, we just had 10 students or 15 students surrender to ministry. We don't yeah. know what to do with them. Um, and mm -hmm. so um, so that's something we're real passionate about and, and thinking through and and creating resources for that. So what advice would you give to uh, uh, maybe a, a collegiate missionary or a college pastor or pastor, or youth pastor that goes, hey, we don't really know how to call them out and we don't know what to do with them from that point forward. What advice would you, you give? They're not the only ones who don't know what to do with them. Um, <laughs> those, yeah. These students don't know what to do with themselves. And, and yeah, that's, that's sure, the Ryan. biggest thing yeah. that I had to learn that they don't know what their next step is. They don't know what they need to be submitting themselves to, where they need to be learning, or even where the right places to learn are. And so it all starts with conversations. I would say to that person that's got a couple of those called the ministry students, get them one-on-one -on -one and just say, hey, what questions do you need to have answered before this mile marker in your life? Uh, I just sat this last month with about 20 called the ministry students one-on-one, -on -one, and I said, before you graduate college, what questions are you asking God to clarify in your life? Wow. And I tell you, it was significant. Some of them were like, well, if he could just give clarity on what my next step is, should I go straight to the mission field? Should I go theological education? Or, hey, I really need clarity on uh, if I should marry this guy that I'm dating because that affects ministry and stuff. And so I use that question a lot to process through how I can help them answer those questions. And then I also ask them, who would it be helpful for you to talk to? Because mm -hmm. I recognize that most of the students I'm going to work with are not called to collegiate ministry. Uh, I hope that that's something they'd consider, but 
Many of them are called to church planting or to pastoral ministry or to be missionaries. And I can speak to that to an extent, but I need to get those guys in the room, those gals in the room and let them directly speak to them and answer questions and field things. And there's nothing that pastors, missionaries, and other ministry people love more than getting to talk to someone who longs to do what they're currently doing. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's been a great learning opportunity for me. And letting them ask questions in a room of their peers that are processing through the same thing has been the most beneficial. Uh, mm-hmm. Called to ministry students are hungry for opportunities. This, this is what I find yep. a lot. Yeah, it called the ministry students. Um, a lot of times they're not the ones who want to just come and attend my weekly services mm-hmm. because they're folks that are already significantly leading things. If they're truly called and following God in that, they've yep. started their own campus ministries on campus. They're leading <laughs> yeah. prayer gatherings and prayer movements. And so I would probably do a greater disservice to these called the ministry students to ask them to halt what it is that they're doing uh, through God's initiative and just to come and join in with all of our stuff. And so I just try to champion their work, whatever God's called yeah, them to do, great. whatever opportunities they have tonight. And I'm not sure when this will air, but tonight we have a young student um, named Will Lambley, who's going to speak at our service. It'll be his first time speaking and wow. coached him up, been excited about that. Um, Will, if you listen to this later, you may blow it tonight, but that's okay. And so like, be willing to let them out on a long leash and uh, let them have opportunities to, to do some big, bold things for the gospel. It's in those things that they'll really refine their calling. I love that, Ryan. I, we had a, uh, another collegiate leader uh, on the podcast that Paul and I had a conversation with, and he said one thing they constantly do is they're constantly asking themselves, what do we currently have an adult doing that a college student could be doing? And they're yeah, always the figuring out ways to give away the ministry to college students. And I thought that was awesome as well. Yeah, I think that's a great word. And yeah. I mean, as a guy doing campus ministry, I, I don't work for a church. I work for a network of churches mm-hmm. um, like, like we all do. So as a guy doing campus ministry, I, I got to hold these guys loose. And so when there's a church mm-hmm. internship yeah. opportunity, bro, go take that because you're going to learn and develop awesome, there. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to send the dudes sailing down the river as, as quick as possible so that they can grow um, in, in their calling. So, Yeah, I love that. It reminds me of that book, Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson. Your, your goal is just to make heroes, to empower leaders, not to make it about yourself. And that's what these young students they need they need reps they need uh opportunities to serve in ministry and so that's great you're giving them those opportunities and even not holding tight i've seen too many next-gen ministry leaders kind of trying to control or or kind of like just keep everyone in their little fold when really when you have an empowering mindset you get all the leaders you'll ever need I'll tell you guys this really funny 30 second story i got a call yesterday from a buddy of mine really close friend who said, hey, we're thinking about hiring this particular person for a youth ministry job, and your name was on his resume that he had interned for you at some time. How did he do? And I had to be honest, and I would tell this to this student, like, he didn't do very good for me at all. Like, but the next place he did, he did incredible. And so I was able to say that. Like, you know, when he was with me, he he had some hard falls, learned a lot of stuff, but when I sent him to the next internship, that dude did incredible. Yeah, Following the Lord, awesome. Lord continue to grow mm-hmm. him. And, and and I tell you, that's going to happen. Like, you're going to have folks who yep. flop for you. Wow. But 
when you give them opportunities to fail, they'll learn there and go on to the next thing and do exceedingly well. That's such wow. a great word, Ryan. I love that. Yeah. Mm. That's so encouraging to me. I mean, I think about when I was a student, my first Bible study I ever led, I had a panic attack, like during the, <laughs> and so it was just like, you know, and you kind of have to grow from where you are. And so I'm so mm-hmm. glad I didn't give up or have someone give up on me. Um, so love that, man. So kind of this leads to our next question. What advice would you give? We have a lot of students that listen to this podcast as well. Maybe maybe there's a student listening that's exploring a call to vocational ministry. What what advice would you give them? Yeah, I, w- I would say a couple things. Number one, uh, express that to as many people as possible. Um, it's not braggadocious for you to say, hey, God's calling me to ministry. Like, tell people about it. Just like God's called you to tell us the salvation story, like tell people about what God's calling you to do. There's a couple things that happen there. Number one, that forms a network of people that are holding you accountable to God's calling in your life. But secondly, it also grows around you a network of mentors. Um, I find that for a lot of people in their ministry competency, they grow through a ton of different people. There's not one person that I can accredit. I learned to preach from this guy. I learned evangelism from this lady. I learned how to do discipleship with this other person. Um, Different people will be able to pour into you different things. So avail yourself to that. Um, Secondly, um, discipline yourself now because it only gets harder later. So if you're struggling to follow the Lord in daily disciplines, man, tackle that, make it a pattern in your life now, because it only gets harder when you get busy doing ministry. It, it doesn't work the other way around. And then I would say thirdly, and I tell you, this, this is heartbreaking for me, something that I learned uh, probably eight or nine years ago. I was talking to an IMB, International Mission Board, a recruiter who was working, trying to get students to go overseas. And, and I asked, I said, hey, I've sent you several people, but they keep getting denied. Why is this? And they told me, they said, Ryan, there are so many, both guys and girls, that have incredibly difficult sexual struggles, and these temptations that they're lending themselves to are prohibiting them from following God's call. And so I'll just say this, wherever you find yourself in the midst of temptation, like build accountability now and start doing battle on those things right this moment so that God can continue opening doors to you down the road. There are too many young men and women who disqualify themselves from ministry way too early, and it creates roadblocks down the road. Now, I also want to say this. If you're a student and you're listening right now and you're like, dang, I blew it literally yesterday or in the previous years, like God's still got a plan and purpose for you. Don't quit. Keep pursuing him. Keep following him. Satan will bring those things up and, hey, Jesus has already taken that out of the way by nailing it to a cross. So yes. you're redeemed, you're bought, um, but make a newfound stance on purity um, mm-hmm. and set up those patterns in your life. And, and I'm sure you guys have seen the same. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. That's a huge, huge issue that takes, I mean, as ministry leaders, we have to address as well and not be afraid, afraid to address those things. Yeah. So one more question kind of before we get to some of the last ones. Um one thing I really appreciate about your approach to ministry is you kind of embrace the genius of the and. You've done big group, large group meetings, and you do some epic social events. You did like a dating show when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you do all these things to get crowds together, but then you're really intentional about training up disciple makers. And so can you speak to kind of that tension between attractional ministry and then like missional kind of discipleship? 
Yeah, sure. And, and I'll admit, like, I, I, I just love to party. Like, I'm a partying <laughs> guy, and so I want to throw the biggest, most fun events because I want to be at them. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, so that's just part of my personality. In fact, guys, I'm more wired this way, so I really have to intentionally focus mm-hmm. on one-on-one harder than some. If there's 200 people in a room, I want to have a 30-second conversation with all 200. So mm-hmm. I am an extrovert of extroverts. Um, some people are the exact opposite. And so part of that for me, Paul, like when you're building a ministry or thinking about, I mean, letting Jesus do his work is I had to recognize my gifts, like to throw parties and events and do the evangelism stuff to a high level uh, so that I could enable some people to do one-on-one stuff really well in addition to that. Um, So what it means is we have as big a front door as we can possibly blow open to everything we do in ministry. Um, but that means we also have to train, recruit and build up leaders incredibly well mm-hmm. so that they can follow up to a really heavy extent. And so, um, yeah, I just try to surround myself with leaders who are building up leaders. And part of my personal ministry has been investing in these called the ministry students and <laughs> their opportunities are oftentimes in our ministry. They're doing one-on-one small groups. I'm doing one-on-ones leading small groups. Um, but Sometimes uh, their personal ministry is way outside of this. We have a girl right now who's leading a sorority Bible study of about 40 students. None of those students come to BCM, but I'm going to take credit for her all day because I get to meet one-on-one with her and invest in her. And and I I just love getting to invest in called the ministry students like that. So. That's awesome, Ryan. I love that. And Ryan, you know, you just alluded to it as like to do what y'all are doing and to effectively reach the campus for Jesus, you need a lot of people on the team. And so a lot of times um, we'll hear people, you know, go, hey, it's easy to recruit volunteers. It's harder to keep them engaged, you know, and keep them motivated. Um, and even I felt that as a lead pastor of a sure. church and, and a teaching pastor, I felt that in the local church as well. Um, and so how do y'all keep like, you know, student leaders motivated, engaged and passionate about what God's called them to? Yeah, I would say a couple really pointed things. Number one, you, you have to keep vision ahead of people. That's important. Yeah. And, and there have been some other guys on the podcast that have talked about that better than I ever could. I would say another thing that is undervalued. that us as leaders can uniquely do with next generation students is point out and call out their giftedness in some ways that are unique to them. Uh, The most encouraging thing I think I've learned that I can do for a lot of student leaders is to say, Hey, Alex, dude, you don't realize it, but you're incredibly gifted as a teacher. And this is how I know Mm -hmm. you're really silent and you stay at the back of the room. But when you speak, every single person listens. And Mm -hmm. so God has given you this voice and this anointing, and it is incredible. And so so a lot of times I think we assume we have to keep leaders by dangling a carrot and saying, oh, just go a little bit further with me, and then we can get you down the road. And But sometimes it's when they can link what they're doing to their God-given gifts, they see purpose in it beyond what I could ever give them. And so part of my role is to expand their vision to say, you're not just filling a task on a team. You're doing what God's created you for in this season of your life. And can I be honest, the best thing about college ministry is in three years, they get to go to whatever the next season of their life is and they get to invest somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. we've trained them up to do that. Like, I want to produce the most incredible Sunday school teachers in the world through the ministries that we lead here. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. 
Ryan, hey, one thing that we always do in closing out our uh, Next Gen on Mission uh, podcast conversation is really an on-mission charge that the heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they are the now generation, not just the future of the church, but the church right now, that they have a mission now, a calling on their life now. Would you give us one closing thought on this and one practical next step? Yeah, I would say they're ready to answer that call. Uh, you just got to call them out. That, that, yeah. That's the big thing that I would say, like call them out, whether it's to salvation um, or to their next step of obedience. They're, they're ready for it. That's awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much. I mean, this has been just packed with so many good principles and I love it. So I'm, I imagine some of our, our listeners will want to connect with you and follow what you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about how they can get connected with you and even check out your podcast and other things you got? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm Ryan Scantling, S-C-A-N-T-L-I-N-G on, on everything. So you can find there. But our podcast is Lead Defend. So we do a big conference every spring in the state of Arkansas. And they can just search that and, and find it there. But this is the podcast they need to be listening to. <laughs> this is the one for one in on. Stuff. Thanks, bro. Well, awesome, right? Man, so good, man. So, I mean, such a great charge, encouragement, inspiring, but also very practical. So thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. And, and friends, thank you again for listening to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. We love our Next Gen on Mission family. So thank you so much for engaging with us and listening. If you have any questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net and we'll try to address those on a future podcast if this conversation has been helpful to you please share it with friends share it with others uh hey give it a like a follow five star rating all that good stuff and friends we pray that you have an awesome rest of your day and don't forget to tell somebody about jesus today <laughs> <laughs>